ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies broadcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. It's season five, it's episode 14, and I am joined by a man who is physically sat less than a metre away from me, in spite of social <coughs> distancing rules. Mr. Joe Massey. And I was just about to cough. I was literally just about to cough. I had to <laughs> stop myself from coughing. Yes, we are together, mate. We are together again. It's a strange one, really, because everyone in the office is together for the first time today, aren't they? Apart from Nathan Tudor and Matt Mayer and yeah, Lewis Cox. and Lewis Cox. They haven't turned up. Uh, yeah, so we're all back in the office, but we see each other all the time, really, don't we? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but we're back together. Delighted to be, I'm still delighted to see you. Yeah, yeah, Still yeah. very nice to be sat at a table with you. Yeah. And uh, we did have... A very special podcast plan today. I know you've probably got a banter <laughs> section written with loads of hilarious banter and you're ready to go with that, but we had a very special podcast plan today, but I've canned it because oh. I don't think the mood... I, basically, I was going to... I was going to... I'm all braced for a podcast where the banter is going to be flowing, not for five minutes, Luke Hatfield, for basically an hour. Um, and probably for the next couple of weeks, the banter will be flying because we've got some exciting news, but... <laughs> I don't. We were going to go to it today, but we're not going with it today now because that's entirely your decision. That's my decision because I still feel a bit flat from Huddersfield on Saturday, and I'm not quite ready yet to have a massive laugh and a joke. And to be when we announce this news, I'm going to be so giddy and excited that I need to have that giddiness in me still. And at this moment in time, I'm just a little bit flat. A little bit uh, flat. From Saturday, I am. Didn't want to pick yourself up. That's fine. That's I did pick myself up, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what's to come. It's fine. Um, I mean, I did have I did have banter planned. Um, you always have your banter planned, You've right? gone above and beyond today. Joe was so happy to see me that he... I mean, there were moths when he opened his wallet. That's but the worst he opened, banter he opened ever. his wallet. You got me... A sausage and bacon baguette and a hot chocolate. I did. I mean, you know the way to my heart. Well, as people say I'm too mean to you on this podcast, don't they? They say I bully you. <laughs> yeah. And there yeah. I go, I bought you breakfast, mate. I bought you breakfast. You've come out with a rubbish moth joke about wallets, because that's the level of banter in the banter section. What? And yeah, I bought you breakfast to celebrate some good news that should be revealed soon. But yeah, I say I'm nice to you, aren't I? Yeah, on the one podcast out of... How many have we done? I don't know, mate. That's your job, isn't it? A lot. We've yeah. done. I mean, this is season five. It's episode fourteen. I know you weren't there for the first couple seasons. Yeah. So for three seasons of podcasts, you've been mean to me. I haven't been mean to you. That is until not true. today. <coughs> I've got a cold, by the way. It's not. It's not. Um. It's not the old C of nineteen. We know that for certain. But uh, <laughs> I have C of nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> I have got uh, a little cough and cold. That's what happens when you've got kids, mate. Yeah, pick just... up every bug going. Yeah, so I've got one of those kitty bugs. Oh, but yeah, other than that, all good. Well, good, good to hear. Um, what wasn't good? Huddersfield Town one, West Brom nil. What a segue! What a segue! Uh, I mean, I'm always good for a good segue, mate. Uh, I mean, I'm nor- I'm normally at Albion pretty much every week with you. Yeah, this, week, this weekend I wasn't. I was I was at Villa Park. I was watching Steven Gerrard his first game in charge. I wasn't at Huddersfield, and I'm not gonna lie to you. Doesn't seem like I miss much. No, you didn't miss a lot. And there's, it's, look, the truth is, in terms of the planning for this podcast, you don't have to do any planning really because Huddersfield, the game is going to just lead one talking point is going to lead to another. So just interject me because I'm going to just ramble on and ramble on and ramble on. Okay. Um, because there is so much to say from that game and and the, and the reaction from it really, um, which I would say I. I mean, I really don't like saying these words. I really, really don't like saying these words. But I feel Valerian Ishmael has lost a lot of goodwill amongst supporters mm. following that game. Look, the, Ishmael's style, Ishmael as a manager hasn't sort of. He's been. I think it's been a bit fifty-fifty. Really, the fan yeah. support for him last couple of weeks. I've got to say, after the Huddersfield game, it feels like it's like, there's, a, there's a fair few anti-Val fans at this moment in time. It's difficult for me to find the words, like the exact words to put pull it into, really. But and I have got a cold, which doesn't help. Um, but look, the the criticism towards Val after that game was very, very strong. Um, and look, I have to say, hand on heart, I completely understand that. Mm. Um, 
Well, what I've got to start by saying is I am very much Val in. Look, the, the, what the next sentence I'm going to say will annoy a lot of people. Yeah. He's a really nice guy. Now, people hate me saying that, and, they, and a few people tweeted me over the weekend saying, I don't care if he's a nice guy, I don't care if he's a nice guy. And look, that's their absolute right to not mm. care if he's a nice guy. And I understand they don't have a personal relationship with him. That's absolutely fine. He is a genuinely nice guy. I really like him. God, God's honest truth is I am rooting for him. I want him to turn this around. And when I say I want him to turn this around... It needs turning around. Hmm. Okay, we might be third in the table. That is true. And we've lost the last four games away. Last four games on the road, all defeats. In my opinion, they deserve to lose all four of those games. There's, there's a debate about the Huddersfield one, whether they deserve to lose it. But Ishmael himself says they deserve to lose at Fulham. They deserve to lose at Stoke. They deserve to lose against Swansea. Yeah. Huddersfield one is a bit more debatable, but I will explain why I think they deserve to lose that game um, in a little bit. So. Albion, they're eight points behind Bournemouth now. They're nine points behind Fulham. They, they shouldn't be looking over their shoulders in this league. We, mm. the, Albion are going to finish in the playoffs this season. I'm absolutely sure of it. But it shouldn't be the case that they're in that pack round about the playoffs. They should be challenging Bournemouth and Fulham for the top two. They aren't at this moment in time. They've got some quotes from Matt Clark. We're putting them out tomorrow saying, Albion want to be the best team in the division. Now, that is the right attitude to have, Matt Clark. Albion, look, mm. I'm not... Whether you think... It's perfectly legitimate to think Fulham have got a better squad than us. It's perfectly legitimate to think Bournemouth have got a squad, better squad than us. That's absolutely right. But Albion should be challenging to be the best team in this division. They should be challenging to be in that top two. And look, of course, they still are. They are third in the table, but they are they are in a poor run of form. They've won three of the last seven, I think it is, off the top mm. of my head. Um, and it's the, the last... The last six, eight weeks, I don't know how many it's been, it's just not been good enough. They do need to turn things around. There's no doubt about it. So we talk about the Huddersfield performance and and for me, it's, it's the tactics that are letting us down and that breaks my heart to say it because it's, because they're Ishmael's tactics at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah. And I really, really don't want to be critical of him. I really don't. I genuinely, genuinely like the guy. I really want him to come through this. But we're 18 games into the season now and you know every single week what you are going to get, basically, from a Valerian Ishmael side. Mm. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, we're going to be 3-4-3. Three, three. Yeah. He just will not change the system. He won't He won't even change the system if we have 10 men. He'll go 3-4-2, basically the same thing. We'll still have three at the back. You know that we're going to play very narrow, really. You mm. know that we're going to play with very little width. The width will come for the wing-backs. We will have a, a front three, and they will be tasked with cutting inside, being very narrow, um, and whatever width we do have will come from the wing-backs. You know that we're going to play over a high defensive line. Um, and, yeah, and, and that, that's about it, really. You you know those three things every single week. That is going to be our setup. And if, and if we know that in the stands, then the opposition know it as well. Yeah. Um, and teams are finding out, have, have figured out a way how to play against us. And I personally think we need to just tweak it slightly to give them something else to think about. So, the Huddersfield, Huddersfield game, in terms of chances created, the God's honest truth is, both teams created two chances. Yeah. The, Albion had 20 shots on goal to Huddersfield, seven. They had, they dominated the ball in terms of possession, but in terms of actual clear-cut chances created, both teams had two. The, the one that Huddersfield scored from after six minutes, they had another one through Danny Ward in the second half. He side-footed wide. Albion had two clear-cut chances as well. Taylor Garner-Hickman, fierce volley, really mm. unlucky not to score. And Matt Clark late on after Jake Livermore had been sent off. Now, it's just... It's just... that, And that really was all Albion created in that game. Mm. Um, and for that... And Ishmael, I've got no doubt... that I've got absolutely no doubt after that game, Ishmael had a series of statistics in his database with his analysts, whatever... That where he felt he feels that Albion should have won that game, mm. he and he said that basically afterwards. He didn't. We have to be careful what we say afterwards because Ishmael didn't say we should have won. He didn't use the words we should have won that game, but he sort of implied it. He definitely made it clear he felt they deserved a result. Yeah. Um. And the reason why I think they didn't deserve a result is because two teams went to that ground with a game plan, and one team did it really well, and one team didn't. Yeah. Huddersfield knew, and they absolutely knew. Albion were going to play over a high defensive line. So for twenty for the first fifteen, twenty minutes, all they did was constantly put balls over the top. They had some they had a lad up front, Thomas, 
He was on, he was on one of the wings. He was rapid. Harry Tofola, wing back, rapid. Danny Ward, surprisingly quicker, a lot quicker than I thought he was. They just kept putting balls over the top. They kept getting into dangerous areas. And from one of those, they scored. Yeah. But they were by far the better team for the first 15, 20 minutes. Albion got to grips with that. But then all they did was sit 10 men behind the ball, Huddersfield. Mm. And they defended for their lives for the rest of the rest of the game. They did. And it was all Albion, really, from that point on. But that was their plan. That was Huddersfield's plan. Yeah. And they did it. And they did it really, really well. Um, Albion had their game plan, but they didn't create clear-cut chances. Bar the two, I said. They, they struggled to break them down. Yes, they had shots blocked. Yes, they had some couple of scrambles. But in terms of actual quality chances created... It just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. Mm. Um, and there were loads of stats that would suggest that Albin could have done, should have got a draw, should have got a lot more than what they did, which is what Ishmael pointed to post-match. He thought it was a good performance. Uh, I've got to be honest, I didn't. Um, and the stats are for me, the ones that really, there's three stats that matter. One is Huddersfield, one Albion nil, the mm. result. The two shots on target each. They both had two shots on target each. Even if Albion had 20 shots to Huddersfield 7. They both had two shots on target each. Two clear-cut chances each. And the and the big one is, is actually the XG, yeah. right? Because and Ishmael is a disciple of XG. He's the first manager that's ever um, brought up XG in a press conference I've been at. The XG from the game was Albion 1.1, Huddersfield 1.17. Mm. So we're talking wafer-thin differences. Yes, probably, overall, a draw was a fair result, probably. Yeah. But it was marginal. And if anyone shaded it, it was Huddersfield. And the reason why it was Huddersfield, despite the, ch- the amount of shots Albion had, despite the amount of possession they had, the reason why Huddersfield shaded it was because they did their game plan better than Albion did theirs. There's no doubt about it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, very, very, very frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah, and I suppose... It's the same old and it's something that we can always approach is, you know, the high line got caught out, you know, quite a bit. And it's been caught out before and it's going to happen when you play that high. But also Albion, that, that guile, which we which I've talked about before, when teams sit back like they're going to do against Albion at home or away. And they task you with essentially breaking them down. Albion haven't got that guile, have they? They're, they're missing that little piece. So this is the next thing I want to talk about. And, and unfortunately, it doesn't again. It doesn't reflect well on Ishmael, which honestly, I want everyone to know, is breaking my heart. Say, like saying these things, I'm not. I don't. I do not enjoy saying these things at all. But Grady Dean Garner had an absolute shocker on Saturday, mm. and and I genuinely don't think it was Grady Dean Garner's fault. So I talk about Football Manager a lot on this podcast. Way too much. Way way too more. Way more than I should. I completely get it. But for those who don't play the game, and, and it's, look, it's not football manager, it's proper football. Yeah. But just to explain, because it, it's such a good way of explaining it, I think, if you play football manager and you put someone on the right wing, on the left wing, wherever you put them, you can choose them to be an inside forward, mm. an inverted winger, a winger, an outside forward. You can get them to play all different, in the same position, on that pitch, you can get them to do five or six different roles. Yeah. Right? And I'm telling you now, Grady Dean Garner might physically be stood in the right position, but he is playing the wrong role. Mm. He is absolutely, and he's not being, honestly, he might as well be being played out of position. It's not as extreme as seeing Darnell Furlong play central midfield after Jake Livermore gets sent off, because it's not as extreme as that, but it is the same thing. So Grady Dean Garner, for me, is a winger or an inside forward who you want him to isolate his, his fullback, his opposite number. Yeah. We saw it in the first season under Slavin Bilic. Get the ball wide to him, and I mean get it wide. You want him to have chalk on your boots, and then he can then... Cho- you want him one-on-one with his defender, mm-hmm. and he can then choose which way he wants to go. If he wants to go to the byline and cut it in, that's absolutely fine. If he wants to come inside the box, get a shot away, that's absolutely fine. The more you mix it up, the better it is, because... Then you, you're, the defender really doesn't have a clue what he's going to do. Yeah. Great Dean Garner, I would say, one of the few players who is genuinely blessed with the quality to go both ways. You do not know if he's going to go inside. You do not know if he's going to go outside. But where he needs to be receiving that ball is out wide, mm. and ice, and, and in a position where he can isolate the fullback. He did not get in that position at all on Saturday. He, Ishmael's forwards, the three forwards, are so narrow. 
The width, as we said right at the start, comes from the wing backs. Carlin Grant, Grady Dean Garner on the left and right are expected to get the ball, and it's what Ishmael calls the pockets of space. Mm. Inside, it's where Carlin Grant scored a hell of a lot of goals from this season. Yeah. But they're expected to be effective in that area, just in front of the 18 yard box, if you like, or 10 yards in front of the 18 yard box. But central, really, central mm. areas. And all that happened on Saturday was. Time and time and time again, Dean Garner got on the ball and within a, a second of being on the ball, there was two or three Huddersfield shirts on him and they just took the ball off him. Like, it wasn't like, they didn't have to do anything to take mm. the ball off him. They just took the ball off him. He was he was outnumbered and he, he, he didn't have a clue what to do. Um, he was just far, far, far too central. And that doesn't happen when he's out wide mm. because you're not going to have that amount of players on the pitch in those areas. No. In central areas, there's just more players on the pitch. It's just basic maths. Um, and Grady was... He had a shocker. He had an absolute shocker. He couldn't... Every time he got the ball, he lost it. And it, and But it was the ease with which he lost it, which was what was so frustrating. He really did just basically get the ball, bring it under control, take a touch, and a Huddersfield man had taken it off his toe. Now, honestly, for me... It wasn't his fault. That you, he, he, there was in in no way, shape, or form was the team set up to bring the best out of him. Mm-hmm. You might as well have played him at wing back. It, it was, it was the wrong role for him um, in the team, um, and I think that's where we, that's where things are. Everything is now predictable. Mm-hmm. Everything has become very, very predictable. And yes, Albion could have nicked a draw. Yes, Albion could have won the game on another day. But the overall performances are very, very, very similar. And I think the worry is for me, I don't think Huddersfield was drastically different to QPR at home. I don't think it was drastically different to Blues at home. I don't think it was drastically different to Peterborough away. And I can see these games, these similar performances coming time and time and time again. And the results will just be similar. They'll be able to win some, they'll draw some, they'll lose some. And that's just not where they should be. Like it's just they should be able to find a level of consistency that matches Bournemouth and Fulham, um, but they're just not finding it at the minute. And I gotta be honest, I think a lot of that is down to the setup. What what is becoming abundantly clear is that Al- it doesn't appear like Albion have the players now to play Valble. Yeah, it's not Val's got this strong ethos, strong philosophy, which. We admire that, but it now appears like he hasn't got the players for it. And but something, but it feels like something's going to have to give, because if it doesn't, I just can't see. I just think Albion are going to remain inconsistent. Mm. Um, I just, and that's why I'm so frustrated and why I didn't want to have loads of fun at the start of this podcast. <laughs> that's fair enough. Um, what did you make of the red card, Joe? I've, I mean, I watched um, the highlights. I've, I've seen it. For me, it's a harsh one. Mm. I, th- I think for me that's a yellow card, but I say that, and I know Albin have appealed it. I'm not too sure it's gonna get overturned. I think it's it's harsh, but I'm not too sure if it gets overturned. See, I, when I first saw it, I thought red. I, I was right by it as well, and, I, and to me, it looked really high. To me, it looked like he'd gone studs up into Fraser Campbell's chest. It looked a nasty challenge. Um, having seen the replays, it probably is a yellow card, isn't it? Probably, I think so. Probably a yellow card. Um, but will it get changed? I don't know if it will. We'll find, probably find out today. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it'll get overturned, personally. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think it's harsh, and I wouldn't have given a red card. But is there enough there to overturn it? Probably probably not. Um, and what did, I mean, Ishmael's post-match comments... What what did you make of him? The, the the only way I can describe Ishmael's post match comments are is what I've just said earlier. Is I've got absolutely no doubt that look what I don't know. I didn't see this with my own eyes, but I'm, I was told by someone else in the press room after the game that basically pretty soon after the full time whistle went, one of the analyst guys at Albion went over to Ishmael with a laptop and was pointing to all the data and stuff and was telling him. And they were like nodding their heads and stuff. And I've got absolutely no doubt that Ishmael could produce a series of flip charts which would suggest that Albion did enough to win that game. Mm. 
And I think that's what Ishmael believes based on that data. He believes if you keep doing what he believes, his principles, if you if you keep performing, as in if you keep doing the things he wants, eventually you'll get more more wins than, than defeats. Yeah, I just like I said, I, I I didn't see it like that on Saturday. It's um, like I've been impressed with Ismail after defeats this season, like after Stoke, after Swansea, after Fulham, mm. because I thought he was honest, and I think Albion did deserve to lose those games, and he said it. I I didn't think I didn't necessarily. I don't I, look. I didn't necessarily agree with what he said after the game. To be honest, a lot of members of the media didn't. I don't think a lot of fans did. Um. But he, but he does believe it, um, and it's just a very, very, very strange situation we're in because we're. His style is very unique. Valball is very unique, and we're all in on him, aren't we? Yeah. Like we're we're kind of all in a situation where we're all. We, I, I know it's with every manager, but we really need him to be right because. He is. He does see things differently to us. He does. He does. He does play the game a different way. So it's just. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The comments were, uh, uh, he's the manager at the end of the day. He's got. His, he's the one that's created this philosophy. He's the man that's played for Bayern Munich. He's the. He's the man that's won the Bundesliga. You know, he's a hell of a lot more than we do. Um, but I think a lot, a lot of people were surprised by his post-match comment. Yeah, I suppose it's fair. For, I mean, from my point of view, to ask: Is it completely fair to judge Val? On a team that, like you said, probably doesn't suit his formation the best. And let's be honest, is also lacking that number nine that they really need. Okay, so this is the next thing. Right, so there's two things I want to talk about with that, right? Go on. First one is, so Huddersfield are a Yorkshire team, obviously. Yeah. Barnsley are a Yorkshire team. Yeah. They've got a lot of reporters up that way who um, cover football in Yorkshire rather than a specific club. Yeah, uh, they cover football in Yorkshire. So there's a lot of reporters at the game, um, one in particular, and and who saw no Ishmael from Barnsley, but they were at the Huddersfield game on, yeah. on Saturday. I was speaking to him, speaking to him about the system and Barnsley and Ishmael and what he, what he did at Barnsley last season, and and the the big thing they kept that came up quite on quite a lot of occasions was they couldn't believe we didn't have. Like a Daryl DK, yeah. And they, the one chap said to me, Daryl DK was absolutely huge for Barnsley for Ishmael, literally in every sense of the of the term. Mm. Um, and he said, "Look, we are just crying out for him, or yeah. a player like that. We just it was it, it's a player like him is so integral to Valball, and we just haven't got him." Mm. Um. So I think to hear those people say it, that Yorkshire journalists. Players who watched that amazing run that Barnsley went on last season, um, I thought it was really interesting to say they were just like, because we've said it, haven't we? Like we're crying out for a, a centre forward like him, mm. but them having watched Albion that day were like, well, well you really need a striker, um, and they were saying that will make such a massive difference. Um, the other thing I want to talk about in like in in defence of Al because I want this because we I, like I've said I really don't want to be critical of him but and I wanna I don't want to defend him and I wanna give a shout out. This is a random shout out, okay? Okay. So he won't be he won't know he doesn't know this is coming. It's just a, a person on Twitter I follow an Albion fan called Dan Nash. Okay. So oh, Dan right, yeah. Dan Nash, if you're listening, I which he does listen. I think, think he does listen. He does yeah, listen, yeah. yeah he's asked Dan. the question. Dan Nash, if you're listening, I'm spending a lot of time on your Twitter account at the minute. Um and the reason why I'm spending a lot of time on his Twitter account is because I think he makes some very, very interesting points regarding Ishmael long term. Mm. And these are the things I want to talk about as well, just to add a bit of balance to this podcast and to like get a little like Ishmael flag waving and just say like Trust the process. Yeah, trust the process. Because there's, what there's what there is no doubt is Ishmael is onto something. Valball is a thing, it can be very effective. We saw it at Laskin Austria. We saw it at Barnsley last season. He has got something. He's absolutely got something that can, his philosophy can be very successful. In what Dan has said, I was reading this thread on on Twitter, which is really, really interesting. And I'll just throw in my own two penneth as well, because I do agree with a lot of the stuff he said. It's, if, if I said to you now, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, Thomas Tuchel. Hmm. You know what to expect from those managers and their teams. You'd have, yeah. you'd know before the game started, basically how that team is going to play. Yeah. 
managers in this day and age to be successful, I genuinely believe you need a manager with a clear identity, clear philosophy, a strong playing style, strong principles. Ishmael has got all those things. Mm. There's no doubt about that. Also, Albion cannot continue lurching from Slavon Bilic to Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Via Darren Moore and Tony Pulis. And it just doesn't work. It just does not work. So what we do need is a manager with clear, strong principles, clear ideas. Can't keep going from one extreme to the other with managers. So in that sense, Val, that's a very big tick in Val's box. And we've got Mm. a a manager there that has really got a plan for hopefully long-term success. The other thing is, he said, he said this a couple of weeks ago, this Dan lad, he said, because everyone's getting frustrated with Val not changing formation. Mm. Val says he won't change formation. Everyone's getting frustrated with Val not changing formation. Me, I'm getting frustrated with Val not changing formation. But the point, according to Dan's theory is, the reason why he isn't changing formation is because he's trying to sift out who can play it and who can't, Yeah, basically. He's a new manager. He's had one transfer window. He's got a four-year deal. He needs to know exactly who can do play valuable and who can't. So he persists and persists and persists. And then with each window that passes, he will make as many changes as he possibly can each window until eventually we have got a valuable team, a full valuable team with players that he actually wants. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he wants some of these players, but you know what I mean? Not players he inherited, but the vast majority he's brought in or or would 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 have brought would bring in if 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 they weren't there in the first place. So yeah. that's another interesting point. He's still finding his feet with these players. So look, it's great we've got a manager of long-term philosophy. I think there's, it's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that this team would improve absolutely massively. Valuable would improve massively with a Daryl DK. Maybe he is just constantly trying to sift out these players and trying to find which ones are going to be sort of long-term, can, can hack it and can be part of this long-term plan of success at Albion so that's the positive for Val think like going forward there's a strategy in place fingers crossed at the end of it it'll bring success now this is I think what Val like Dan would say I think I don't I'm not putting words into his mouth that the end goal with Val will justify will justify this this bit of well, not, we're not in turmoil but this bit of inconsistency we're in yeah. so if you're successful in three years time or four years' time, it's worth it, really. Yeah. Um, I'd, argue, I'd argue if Albion go up and stay up, regardless of what happens this season in terms of performances, if they go up and stay up by hook or by crook, it's been a success. Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, God, without a shadow of a doubt. Like, if he gets them up and keeps them up, yeah, he's been a huge success. I mean, I, we've said before, we think Val, the potential's out. We said before this had started, mm. Val's got the potential to keep us up, hasn't he? Yeah. Has he got the potential to get us up is the question we're asking. Mm. If we feel like he's got the potential to keep us up, it's whether or not it's, it's the question is will he get us up? But my worry is of Albion, and I think this is what the worry is of a lot of fans is they're seeing the things that I'm seeing in terms. Of, I think they agree with me. Dean Garner's out of position. They're frustrated that we're not changing formation. We are too predictable. We don't drop our defensive line when it's being exploited. They can see all these things that can change. But this is my big worry is, and why I take why I. Because I want to be what I want to say. What Dan's saying, yeah, that's what I want to say. I want to champion Ishmael, and I want to say stick with him because long term, it'll bring us success. The reason why I'm slightly concerned, like why, why, why I don't want success. I want Ishmael to be successful now, this season or next season. I don't want him to be successful in three or four years' time. And the reason why I don't want him to be successful in three or four years' time is because it's going to be harder to do it then. Yeah, that's a simple fact of it. Albion get parachute payments this season and next season. It's going to be easier to get up out of this league while you've got that money. And my worry is, say Albion don't go up this season, then next year, who's coming down from the Prem? Who's mm. coming down? If you had to, if, if I said to you now, pick three teams to come down, I think there's a real chance one of them will be Norwich. Norwich, Newcastle. Well, if Newcastle come down, they're winning the league, aren't they? Yeah. And then that third one, maybe Watford. Watford, Villa. I mean, United might be... What? Well, mate, you're struggling. <laughs> I mean, United might be close. Um, who else is there? So, I don't know. I don't know, but the three teams that come down, they're going to be right up there next season, you'd yeah. imagine. Yeah. Especially if it's not... Say, say, I mean, look, maybe Newcastle buy their way out of trouble this year, but they're rock bottom. They haven't won a game. Like, mm. They're in big trouble. 
those teams that come down are going to are going to really be strong next season, you'd imagine. And then, but Alvin can give it a go. It'll be you'd like to think that Ishmael will have free transfer windows if he doesn't. If if Albion don't go out this season, so there'll be free transfer windows on free more. It, they should be better. But then, when you take away the parachute payments, um, in season three, if Albion weren't to go up, then how? What position are they actually in financially? Then yeah, you're looking at the wage bill then. You look at the wage bill, and the wage bill is yeah. You look at the wage. So, my all I want is for Val to be successful. Fingers crossed. What my what I truly hope is he's right, and a lot of the things I'm worried about and fans are worried about are wrong. And by sticking this way, things will turn. They'll start converting more chances. They'll start creating more chances, and they'll close the gap on Fulham and Bournemouth. And whether they finish first, second, or third, wherever they win the playoffs or whatever and go up. That's the dream for me. Mm. Um, but it just feels, it, at this moment in times, it feels like something's got, like, it just feels like he he does need to be a bit more adaptable. Um, because I don't think, I don't think these players can play the way he wants anymore. Mm. I don't think they, I don't, I think things aren't, I just don't think, I don't think they're valuable players anymore. And the performances suggest that they're not. Yeah. Um, so until we get more Val players in, something's got to give. But I don't, but that it won't give with Ishmael. I don't think. I just think he will stick to this, um, rigidly. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's, I, just, I said before we recorded, it's going to be a really hard podcast to do. Um, look, we could go to Blackpool. Fingers crossed, go to Blackpool tomorrow. Absolutely smash them, smash Forest at home, and we can just write this off as an, an overreaction to a couple of bad results. Yeah. Um. That's what I hope to happen. I, I just want things to get better. I really do. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's should we go into questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Questions, questions, questions. First one's Baggies one eight seven nine. With the number nine issue coming to a crisis point, is there any news of us making inquiries to a solution in January? I.e., D.K. Gale and Ketia. Would you have had a punt with Andy Carroll? So I've always been a massive fan of Andy Carroll. I think he's brilliant, but look, I don't yeah, think he's... He doesn't yeah. stay fit. He doesn't stay fit, so he's not the answer. Inquiries, look, what... what I can't... I, if I... The truth is that we're in November. Ishmael always says the transfer process is ongoing. I've got no doubt in my mind that he wants a striker next month, next month in January. Hopefully you get one in at the start of the month rather at the end of the month because there's a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Um, crisis point. You know what? I I don't think that's extreme. I do not think that's extreme. I genuinely wanted, and I don't know, I probably might say it to you, I might not have. I wanted Matt Phillips to play as a central striker before the Huddersfield yeah. game. I was yeah. calling for Matt Phillips to play central striker because John Hugh hasn't done it for me. Callum Robinson, I don't think he's a number nine either. Um, and or and when he has played his best for us, Hugo for me, well Hugo has been off the bench. Robinson, I think, needs to be out wide. So I thought Phillips was a decent option. I thought he did well there in pre-season, mm-hmm. but it all it showed was that he also isn't a number nine. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's all it showed really was he's not. He's also he's, he's just he's just not a number nine. It's not his fault. Like he, he isn't a number nine. He's he is a winger. Um. So yeah, we. I think I just wish the one like if if Albin had that striker, I think I think this could be very very different, and then and I think people will be a lot more on board with the team and the way they're playing if that player makes as big a difference as we expect them to make. Mm. I really hope Albin get get DK or someone in January. I really hope they give Val a chance because I, I I think he needs it. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there. I think he, he, they desperately need a number nine. Who at the moment we've not seen enough from Jordan Hugel. See, like the but the counteract to the Hugel argument is that the best I saw him play was for QPR, mm. right? And he played in a three-five-two at QPR with with Narky Wells off him, and he looked very effective there. And See that's why, like, if if it was me, Val's principles, he's three four three, no matter what. I I, I want to say to him, it's all right to have three 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 at the back and wing backs as your principles. Like, if if that's what you want, mm. but going forward, maybe just tweak it a little bit. And I think if you went say three five two, 
Livermore suspended for the next couple of games if he doesn't appeal doesn't get overturned. I think three five two say Sam Johnson in goal, Shemi Ajay, Carl Bartley, Matt Clark in the back three, wing backs. Toss a coin, Taylor Garner, Hickman or Darnell Furlong, wherever you want. Obviously, Connor Townsend on the left. A midfield three of Jason Malumbi, Alex Mower, um, Robert Snodgrass. Mm. To me, that gives you energy, it gives you balance, it gives you flair, it gives you everything. It gives you Those three give you absolutely everything. Stick um, Hugel up top with Grant off him or mm. Robinson off him. And I think it could, I just think it could try, I think it could, could give the opposition something different to think about. Um I think it could bring more out of Jordan Hugel, um, but it's just. But I, I just don't think it'll happen. But we need what we what we desperately need is a number nine in the Ishmael mould. Whether that's DK, whether it's whoever it is, if he can find someone from the Austrian league or whatever, great. He just needs someone like that. I think. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, um, Leo Watkins, do we have to accept that the fans turning on Val is just the short-term nature of modern football, or are we actually a team in crisis? I think crisis is is too much. See, I think crisis because we said crisis is okay with the strikers, and I do think it is okay with the strikers. The team is not. Yeah, crisis for the team overall, I think, is too much because they are third in the table. Um, they are beaten at home this season, um, mm. which is um, the worry is that. The team in sixth place at three points off them. Yeah, and it's, it's all it's all just too close for comfort. Like, I, it's interesting because after the after the Huddersfield game, Val actually used the words "the other two big teams" in in his quotes. He actually said mm-hmm. "the other two big teams." So he basically, and that's obviously Bournemouth and Fulham. So he basically admitted there's a big three, and that Albion are one of those big three. Mm. Well, Albion are closer to sixth than they are to second. Yeah. Um, so that it isn't that isn't good enough really. They should be closer to those. Um, what was the question again? So we said, um, is it just the short term nature of modern football? Ah, uh, yeah. So I think that plays into it. I think it plays into it, but I think I think the issue Val's got and what Val has got to accept is he's going to have to accept this throughout his whole career. Is one he isn't playing the most attractive style of football. There's mm-hmm. no if you play like Pep. You get more time. It's as simple as that. Yeah. When you go, if you play attractive football or more attractive football, you naturally get more time. Um, and I think fans expect, by and large, a manager to be more tactically flexible than Val is being. Mm. You expect a manager to be willing to change formation here or there. You expect them to be willing to not make his substitutions at the sixty-minute mark every single week. You like he's so rigid, Val. That, and I think that is causing he is doing things a very very unique way mm. and I think his understanding of the game is almost different to everyone else watching it and I think I think fans do understand the game I think they understand a lot and I think that what they're seeing they don't understand mm. is the God's honest truth and I think they would if they were magically put in the dugout tomorrow I think they would do it differently and I think that's where the frustration is coming from I agree with you um, Luke Fletcher, I know it's unlikely to happen, but I can't help but think this team is built for four four two with no natural striker. Grady and Phillips playing as wingers, Livermore or Malumbi playing as CDM behind Moet uh, and Robbo and Grant up front. Thoughts? Whenever these questions come up, I always say, "Yeah, it might work, but it's a moot point." Um, well, it is a moot point on value. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Four four. I think. So I think we're built for three five two. Like I just said, the reason why I think that is because. We're not really built for it because we're not... He's right in terms of... For me, Matt Phillips and Grady Dean Garner are chalk on your boots wingers. Mm. And we would probably get more out of them in a, in a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3 like Billich played in terms of when they've got licence to go either way. Um, I think, personally, I think Albion is so... You've got to remember, we're 18 games in now and all Albion have done have played three at the back. It's all they have done from the moment Ishmael came in in pre-season. So they are, they're basically indoctrinated into that. I know they're professional footballers. I know they'll have all played back fours and whatever other times. But I, I don't think it would be wise to go, right, okay, we're going 4 3 3 tomorrow. I don't think it'll 4 4 2, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think like the, the only way to go now is 
you can only make tweaks, I would say. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be making wholesale changes. I don't think you need to make wholesale changes. I just think we need to do something. To, our forward players are not playing well. Mm. And that's, that, that is the truth of it. None of them are. Carlin Grant scored eight goals this season. He's contributed not a lot, with the exception of his goals. Thank God he has contributed his goals, because yeah. without them, then Albion would have. They, I mean, they would have been in trouble. Um, but overall, I wouldn't say he's given the team absolutely loads. Grady's just not dazzled at all this season. Matt Phillips started okay, but has not done a lot recently. Callum Robinson, I think Callum got three goals in the first three games or three goals in the first four games. He's now not scored in his last thirteen Albion appearances. Mm. Um, but this is where, for me, it comes back to Val, which breaks my heart. There's, they're good players. They're good players. And I don't yeah. like this when people saying the squad's not good enough. I don't like... The vast majority of managers in this league would love to have Grady. They'd yeah. love to have Callum. They'd love to have Matty Phillips. So, these are decent players. Like, they're very good players. But our forward players are constantly not playing well. And for me, that means the system needs to change. Because mm. they're, they're not all just out of form and not firing. There's got to be something we can do to get more from them. And I think three five two. With Hugelin and Grant or Hugelin Robinson, I think that would give us something different. Or a three-four-one-two with like Callum in the hole. Yeah. Something. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. But having Grady in the role he was in on Saturday was not going to work. Mm. You're better off going three-four-two, three-four-one-two, and putting Callum in there and yeah. chucking. There's, there's got to be a way in those situations. Things could have been done differently. I think. Yeah. Uh, Arjun Singh Jahal how do you think the style of football would fare in the Premier League seen as though Val's style is seemingly for the underdog who have less possession uh, and works on teams attacking us opposed to setting up with low blocks and expecting us to break the opposition down I've said this before I might have said on the podcast I'm I'm pretty sure I did I think the system would do much better in the Premier League than it will in the Championship because of those reasons you're going to have every team is going to come on to Albion pretty much every team you come up against will expect to try and dominate possession because yeah. you're a newly promoted side. And they'll look at Albion when they came up last season and and struggled for the most part. And they'll say, okay, we'll, we'll take this game to Albion. And before you know it, Valbor will be in, hopefully with you know two more transfer windows. He'll have the players he wants and it will be prime Valbor. And we'll be seeing him, we'll be seeing him and Albion, you know, upsetting the, the, the apple cart a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I I think that this is why we've said all along, if if Val can get us up, I think Val's the best man to keep us up. I genuinely do believe that. Yeah. Um Val said at the start of this season, and this is what has perhaps been a little bit lost, we are gonna be an out of possession team this season. Mm. He he is an out of possession manager. He doesn't want the ball. He he wants his teams to set up out of possession, hit them on the break, press them for intensity, win the ball high cause havoc in the final third, create chances. He is an out-of-possession manager. He would be the first person to say that. He has had to adapt to become a more possession-based side. Albin have had to adapt to become a more possession-based side. And I think what has really... What has scuppered him this season, when we talk about Albion being found out, is Albion is such a big fish in this league, and they have what you would call glamorous names. Dean Garner, Robinson, they are glamorous names mm. in this league. They are big players. At Barnsley, and I say this with the greatest respect to Barnsley, if you are Preston North End, or if you are whoever you are, you cannot just go to Barnsley and put 11 men behind the ball. No. Your fans just will not stand for it. At, at the end of the day, it's Barnsley. They've just come out of League One not long ago. They're sort of seen as championship strugglers if they are in the championship you just cannot do what you just can't Middlesbrough a bit Middlesbrough are a big club really Middlesbrough cannot go to Oakwell and put 10 and 11 men behind the ball and play that way the no. fans that travel the Middlesbrough fans that travel just won't stand for it they will just be on the back saying what is going on we're Middlesbrough this is Barnsley we don't do. We we just wouldn't, we can't play this way. You you can do it at Albion. Mm. You just can you, because Albion, are one of the biggest clubs in the division. They've just come down from the Premier League. They've got parachute payments. They've got Premier League players. 
Everyone's happy with a point at the Hawthorns. Everyone's happy with a point at home against Albion, if we're being honest. Mm. So you can play that way. And I think that's what has, has probably... I think it, I, I personally think it has surprised Ishmael just how negative teams have been yeah. against them this season. Just how... And, and everyone has done it, haven't they? Ever since that Sheffield United game, everyone is camping deep. Well, not everyone actually, because Swansea didn't do it and Stoke didn't do it. Um, but the majority t- are. But the vast majority are. They're putting 11 men behind the ball, 10 men behind the ball, and they're just saying, look, Albion, you break us down. And Albion, for, at Huddersfield, couldn't do it. Now, I personally think one of the reasons why they couldn't do it at Huddersfield was because they were too narrow, they were too predictable. Yes, they missed chances. Garner Hickman missed the chance, Matt Clark missed the chance. On another day, that goes in, Albion get a point, fair enough. Um, but I just think it's too predictable how to play against them. I think teams have worked that way. They know they can keep it tight against Albion. And Albion now need to find a way to open up the game a little bit more. Mm. Um, but in answer to the question, I generally think Val is better suited to the Premier League now. Yeah. With the, with with Albion because because it'll be the opposite again. Teams can't Man United can't go to come to the Hawthorns and put eleven men behind the ball. No. They'll have to play. And Albion will hopefully it's not even it's not even Man United. It's like Villa. Yeah. yeah. Bang average teams like Villa and Southampton and stuff. When you put um they they'll have to come and play. Don't show you red. I'm going to shake my head continuously for the rest of this stuff that coming. Connor Shaw, uh, will Reyes Cleary get a look in with suspension and injuries adding up and the striker's form dipping? Um, so all we understand of Reyes Cleary is he is he's training like a whole lot of promising youngsters. Val has them in the training for the first team for a bit and they go back to the 23s and mm-hmm. he has them back with the first team for a bit and then they, they go back with the 23. So Reyes Cleary is one of those players that does train with Albion's first team. Um, <coughs> look, he's not been on the bench for a game. No. He's not even been on the subs bench for a game. So, I mean, look, where you, uh, I don't... Reyes Cleary, everyone is getting very, very excited about some stories in the Daily Mail um, about some big clubs in Germany looking at Reyes Cleary. I mean, he's not even been on the bench. That's, that's all I can say is like, I mean, that, that, that's how close he is. He hasn't even, yeah. I, I, I'm i not expecting him to play anytime soon. I don't think there's been any signs that he is going to play anytime soon. Mm. I think if you take away those stories, would anyone be calling for him to play? I don't think they would be. Um, But all we do know is he's highly thought of and he is spending time training with the first team. Yeah. Um, Clint McCormick what do you think of Blackpool as a place and your experiences there I love the place but it divides opinion like Marmite um, also where is the line for a derby game do you consider Forest a derby for us absolutely not a derby no it's not a derby is it? no chance it's a derby um, what do I make of Blackpool as a place I've never really been I went last season in the FA Cup uh, and watched West Brom lose to Blackpool on penalties so not, I mean, my experiences haven't been good. I mean, I saw Blackpool Town in the distance. I don't like Blackpool. You don't? No. So I went to uni in Preston. Oh, so you know the area well. So, and we used to go to Blackpool oh, every now and again. going to scupper the quiz that I've got prepared. I did not know. I did not realise that. <laughs> I won't scupper it. So, yeah, I had a fair few nights out in Blackpool. Um, I remember going to a Walsall game in Blackpool. I was on the train. I got the train. I was on a train of a hen party. Oh dear! And 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 then like they were like all like forty five year old women hen party, absolute carnage. And they all were singing songs, and they were trying to get everyone to stand up and sing a song. They were like basically shouting at me to stand up and sing a song on this train. It was so uncomfortable. One of the most uncomfortable moments of my life. Couldn't change carriages. No, it was like a really old, like uh. like it was like a real slow, like little two. I could have maybe gone to another carriage. I don't know, but it was. I didn't like it. And then, yeah, just nights out in Blackpool. Yeah, they're not for me. Sorry. Don't, he, don't he, fancy a Tuesday night. He likes the place, but I don't really. You don't fancy it tomorrow night? If we go out. What, on a Tuesday night at about 11 o'clock after the game? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't fancy it, it? Oh, cold. Um, Lee Wickstead. Didn't he have an actual... Oh, that was just his question. That was all it was. That was it? Well, right. Okay. And there was a Derby one no as well. No football question. The line for the Derbies are very specific for me. If it's not Blues, Villa or Wolves, it's not a Derby for Albion. 
I think Blues is still a push, but it is a derby this season. I think I think you can you can call that a derby. It's not the most yeah the yeah. The, the, the derby is Wolves. Yeah, the, I, for me anyway. I know, I know for people of a different generation, they see Villa as the derby, but yeah, for Villa the derby's Blues. For Wolves the derby's Albion, and for Albion the derby's Wolves. And anyone who tries to, I mean, when Wolves first went up, they were trying to label. I think it was Leicester as a derby on opening day. I was like, that is not a derby. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. They're not even in the same <laughs> county, map. It's not a derby. Um, this is an interesting one. Lee Wickstead. Assuming Noah built his arc of wood and there were two of every species, where did he keep the woodpeckers? So I actually read that question and I did laugh. I have not got clear what the answer is. He must have had some sort of metallic box. What, are you saying it has to be soundproof or something? Is that the point? No, because they're woodpeckers. They will peck out of the wood. Oh, right. I thought it was just the noise. Yeah, I didn't get it. I get it now. You've explained it to me. Could, yeah. What? what an answer. It made me laugh. Is... It made me laugh. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for the City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell's Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking for re- to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or call 01902 Um, Right, okay, shall we move on? Shall we move on? We're moving 50 on. minutes? You've done 50 minutes? Oh, I feel like I've not been very coherent again today. It's all right. You've got more chance to be in here now because we're um, we're doing a quiz, and it's a Lancashire language quiz because we're going to Blackpool tomorrow. So we, we, need, we need to we need to work on our, our Lancashire lingo. Go on. Um, so what I've what I've I've gathered a couple of phrases known in Lancashire. Are you going to do the accent? Yeah, I don't know the accent. Oh, see, that's what made me laugh when we last played. Let's go. I can't do the accent. I, 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 I don't know how to do an accent. It's not Lancashire. Do you know? No, not really. I mean, you went to Preston, you should know. I know, I can't remember it though. <coughs> I know like a stoke where it's like, yeah, at duck. Yeah. But what, what did you do? What did you do that made me laugh so much last time? Uh, it was Sunderland. Sunderland, that was it. Because um, we were doing, this was a Warsaw podcast, that's how long ago it was. Oh, right. Um, mm. Oh, so people haven't heard that. No, but the oh, listeners right. of this podcast won't have heard it. Oh, I didn't realise. If Albion ever <laughs> plays Sunderland. Yeah. It might do next year. Yeah, but, um, we can we can talk. Um, all right, Lancashire language. So, example, a up cocker. What does a up cocker mean? It just means hello, mate, doesn't it? It means exactly hello, mate. There you go. There yeah. you go. So that was the example, right? Next one. I'm gonna go to the barm. The barm. Barm. B a r m. I'm hungry. I'm gonna go to the barm. The bakery. Yeah. Yeah. I but, didn't know that. Well, I was thinking bam, it's like a bap. I, th- I thought it was like a bread roll. Bakers, apparently. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm pleased with my knowledge. Yeah, well done. Oh, it's it's cracking flags in here, mate. It's cracking. It's what? It's cracking flags. It's cracking flags? Yeah, it's cracking flags. No one says that. They say in Lancashire, mate. Cracking flags? Oh, it's cracking flags. It's hot. Yeah. Why does that, why <laughs> is that even, I don't know how I've got that. I mean, this is astonishing. Have you been looking? At why does that? Why does that make log? Why? Why has that made me? Why has that got a logic to it? Why is that? Why have I got that right? Because I didn't know. I generally didn't know the answer. Don't I? Why would I make? There's obviously a reason why in my brain, if it's a thing that that connects the dots, it's cracking flags. Yeah, it's cracking flags, and it? it's it's hot, boiling hot. Um, Someone will know what that means. Yeah, I reckon. If, if anyone knows why, the, or, the origin <laughs> of that phrase. Um, you should get this one. It's bouncing off the ground. It's absolutely bouncing off the ground. What, like good atmosphere? No. It's bouncing off the ground. Outside, it's bouncing off the ground, mate. 
It's raining. Yeah, there you go. I wouldn't have got heavily. it if you hadn't said outside. Yeah, yeah, it's raining heavily. Um, a ginnel. A ginnel? A ginnel. What is a ginnel? A pie. No. I don't know. It's an alleyway or path. Mm. There you go. Uh, and the last one is, I'm spitting feathers. I'm absolutely spitting feathers. I always say that anyway. Do you? Yeah. Angry, that means. No, it does not mean that. Oh. It might mean that wherever, I don't know, in Swindon. Yeah. Doesn't mean that in Lancashire. It's not, oh, I'm absolutely spitting feathers. Oh, I generally thought that meant you were like raging. No, I'm thirsty. I'm very thirsty. Really? I'm spitting feathers. I'm assuming because your mouth feels really dry. Well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. There you go. How about that? I want to see how many you can get into conversation tomorrow. <laughs> in the post-match video. Yeah. If you go, when we get there, go up to someone. If there's anyone's giving out a drink, say I'm spitting feathers. Spitting feathers. Okay. Okay. This sounds like. Do you remember um, England players did that with like music, music yeah, songs? Didn't yeah, they? In, like, was it ninety six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had all the songs like they were just laughing yeah, on some sound. Alan Shearer said he was like dancing on the ceiling <laughs> after a win or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'll try and do that. I'll try and do that. Do that. Do that. Um, okay, Blackpool versus West Brom, third versus tenth in the championship. A win is needed. They need to bounce back, don't they? They do. They do. So. I suppose as Matt Clark after the game had just felt like it's just playing on the players' minds, like they've lost four in a row on the road and stuff. And he was like, "No, um, they don't think about it. Like they're unbeaten at home. They don't really think about that. They don't think about the good form at home. They don't think about the bad form away. They just take each game as it comes, as all players say." Um, but four games, it's not a great record, is it? They need to, they need to, they need to put an end to it. Um, <clears throat> they really, really do. Blackpool. They've only lost one in the last six. They've drawn the last two, I think. Drawn they won three in the spin. Mm-hmm. Then they lost. They've drawn the last two. Last draw was against Swansea on um Saturday. They're kind of bouncing Blackball in mm-hmm. a way, because obviously like everyone knows what happened a couple of years ago with the Oyston family, fans staying away from the ground. It was a really bad couple of years up there, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. They were I mean, they were a fan base disillusioned. 2019, June 2019, I think it was. Oysters finally were ousted, if you like. Um, ever since then, they've been on an upward trajectory, the club has. And they went up last year via the playoffs, finished third. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to say, their manager, Neil Critchley, so he's the guy that was former, he was a former coach at Liverpool. Yeah. He's an absolutely outstanding job. He is sort of, they've got some half-decent players. Jerry Yates up front is a, is a threat for Blackpool. He, like, works his socks off every single week. He's going to cause problems tomorrow night, I've got no doubt, but he's a right nuisance. A mm. nuisance is the word for him. He is a right nuisance. Pest. He's a pest, yeah. yeah. Pest of a striker. Um, but And he caused Albion all sorts of problems in the FA Cup last season, yeah. which was a dreadful day um, at Bloomfield Road. Um, yeah, but Critchley, it probably has to be said, is the star of the show, really. Yeah. And then, look, they're an, un- they're an unfashionable... They're not very, not very glamorous team. Blackpool didn't make many headlines outside of Blackpool, um, but Critchley, it does appear, is sort of the star of the show. He's um, and he signed a new deal this week. Mm. Signed a new deal on Friday, um, so that'll be a lift. Um, which he fans have been calling for him to have a new contract for a very long time. Look, he's an interesting manager. He's tactically flexible. Um, he's played four four two a lot this season. He mm. played five four one at Swansea the other night. I think most teams against Albion will go with a back three back five. So I think I think we'll see something similar mm. um, tomorrow night. But they got some good players. Yates is the big one, and a lad called Keshi Anderson who plays off the left. Um, he's a threat. He's a very live wire winger um, who can score goals and create chances. So. I think they'll be organised. I think they'll be stubborn. They're a, they're kind of a long ball team. Mm. They're they're not they're not get it down and move it through the third. So playing long more than more than they get it down. Um, I don't know what I hate to say this, but I don't know. I don't even know what suits Alvin at the minute in mm. terms of. I thought Swansea would suit them. I thought Huddersfield would suit them. I thought teams that want to play Stoke because Stoke did play that night. I thought that was playing into Albion's hands, really, with a high press, but it didn't happen. Um, long balls, you don't, look, You would. I would be amazed if Blackpool don't try and rip off Huddersfield's game plan. Yeah. Basically, they're going to pump a few balls over the top, look to get Yates in on it with his pace, um, 
cause some havoc there. I'd imagine other than that, they sit a lot of men behind the ball. Um, and it'll be up to Albion to break them down. Ishmael believes all the solutions to breaking teams down can be found in a 3-4-3 system. Mm. I think tomorrow they have to well, they, they have to prove they can be found. Um, and fingers crossed they will. I, don't, I think the jewellery is out now on this team and this style. So even if Albion win tomorrow... Um, which we really hope they will. There's still there's still going to be question marks. They need a run. Mm. They desperately, desperately need a run. And they, and they need. I can't remember. We've we've got Coventry, I think, after Forest. Yeah. We need a win tomorrow. We need to beat Forest at home, and then on to Coventry again. Albion needs to get get through these three games and beat them. And they need to. They need to restore some belief to the fans. I think because mm. the the belief is waning. Yeah. Um, it's gone beyond waning, really. It feels like a lot of fans now. The majority of fans aren't aren't believing. Um, so it's not it's not a one game thing now. I think it's a three game thing, really. Yeah, they need they need three big performances. Um, in the space of ten, twelve days, whatever it will be. Yeah, and we don't know what's going to happen with with Jay Livermore yet. But let's say that the the, the appeal doesn't get overturned. How would you line up? So. I've got to say, like, I'm a, everyone who listens to this podcast will know I'm a big Jake Livermore fan. Mm. I think he's an absolute, like, great guy. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of his work's best is done off the ball, but I think I don't think it's a bad thing if he comes out of the team for a little bit. I don't, mm. I really don't. Um, I think Malumbi is playing, every time Malumbi plays, I think he's doing enough to retain his place. Now, the, the thing with Jake is, and what, is he, his experience, I think, is very, very crucial. Um, a lot of the good things he does are just completely go under the radar. Mm. So it might be that it's not until he comes out of the team that we actually realise how important he is. Um, but Malumbi just gives so... It feels like Malumbi is now more more valuable than Livermore mm. because of the energy he brings. Um, so for me, it's... Look, if it was if it was me, I would play. All, I'd play Malumbi, um, Snodgrass, and Moet. That's not going to happen. So for me, tomorrow it has to be Malumbi and Moet, um, and that and I'm saying that would be my two. Mm. Even if Livermore's appeal gets over, get, he gets, he does he is successful with his appeal. For me, it would be Malumbi and Moet. I think if Livermore is successful, I think it'll be Livermore and Moet. Mm. What about the rest of the squad? Do you reckon there'll be any change? Uh. I'll just do it again. What I think and um, what, whether I think I just don't know if I will be or not. So I, I personally, it's just a personal preference. I think Shami Ajay should play over Cedric Kipra. Mm. Uh, I don't look. Ajay's been shaky this season. He's had some real. He's looked very nervous in some games. Personally, I think he's a really good player, and I think his pace is absolutely massive for us. If we're going to play a high line, I think you need Ajay's pace. I think look, Cedric Kipra is better than Ajay on the ball. But in my opinion, Ajay is the much better defender. Kipriff just fills me with nerves. I don't, he just, I don't know what it is about him. I just, I'm just not convinced by him. I personally think he could have done better for Huddersfield's goal on Saturday. I think he could have been stronger, holding off the lad who Sinani scored. Um, it sounds a bit harsh, yes, but for me, it's a no-brainer that Ajay plays. But obviously. Val seeing something else in Kipra that he likes. I don't know who. I genuinely don't know who he'll go for. Mm. For me, it would be Ajay, but it could easily be Kipra. I, I mean, look, I don't. I really like Daniel Furlong. I don't think he's not. I don't think he's reading anything wrong. Um, but I like t- Taylor Gunner Hickman's energy, so that's fine on the right. Obviously, Townsend on the left. It'd probably be Malumbi and Moet midfield. I think Grady's got to come out. Mm. Um, I, I I just don't think the system suits him at all, really. Especially not on the right. Um, especially not on the right. It's the, for some reason, some wingers are just better suited to certain sides. I remember Jose Mourinho saying about Marcus Rashford. Yeah. You play him on the left, he's brilliant. You play him on the right, he's atrocious. I mean, Mourinho savaged Rashford with what he said about him. But he, he said he can't play on the right. I'm not saying Grady can't play on the right, but I don't think he can play on the right in this way. Mm. Um as an inside forward or whatever, or whatever it is, Invert, I don't know what you call it, but I think Grady comes out, 
who come Callum will come in for Grady, I'd imagine. It's gonna be Callum on the left. And then you'd imagine it'll be I reckon it'll be Carlin, Jordan Hugel and Callum. Mm. That'd be my guess. Um we'll find out. But yeah. It didn't we used to say at the start of the season on this podcast. It doesn't matter who plays up front in terms of because they're all very good players. Mm. Now it kind of doesn't matter because they've all got a massive point to prove. Because yeah. whoever plays has to do better. Mm. Um, it's true. Carlin's been great for his goals, but even he will admit that I'm sure he can give more. Um, and everyone else, everyone else yeah. has got to do more. Yeah. They really are. Right, we'll find out. Joe, um, anything else to add? Otherwise we're done. No, 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 no. I think, like I said, I'd... I'd uh, I don't know, I don't think I've been very coherent. There's a lot of the stuff I want to say, and this is normally the platform to say it, but it's been hard to get my words out at times, really. Um, but, come on, Val. Come on, Val! Just turn it round. Let's get us back going. Come on. Don't you worry. can do it. You'll be in a better mood, uh, hopefully, hopefully tomorrow, about 11 o'clock. Yeah. Hopefully. Three wins in a row. We'll be happy. Alright, okay. Um, that just about does us for this episode. As always, if you could... Give us a rating and a review, a nice one um, on your preferred podcasting provider. That would be really nice of you. It really helps us. But until next time, it's bye-bye from me and bye-bye from Mr. Massey. Goodbye.